Welcome back to Life Talks with Emma and Nadia. I'm Emma. And I'm Nadia. And on this podcast, we'll be talking about different aspects of life as a teenager. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to podcast numeral space number six. I'm Emma, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Nadia. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about movies and some recommendations we have and then we're going to move on to how movies and social media are sort of interrelated and how social media affects personal image. Most of the movies we're going to be talking about are just going to be on Netflix. And we'll have some other recommendations at the end. So if you want to skip forward um, past the movie suggestions, go for it. Okay, so a lot of the movies that we talked about that we're going to talk about here are movies that both Nadia and I have watched before. Um, some of them are, most of them are pretty recent, but some of them are a little bit, um, in the past. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how much I remember the actual plot lines and characters and most of these movies. I am very, very bad at remembering names, so I'm going to be referring to them by how they look, probably, unless I have the time to search up the characters. So, just be warned. Yeah, so there are um, four movies we're we'll talking about mostly. The first one's going to be Knock Down the House. second one's going to be Mean Girls. And then the last two are All the Bright Places and Perks of Being a Wallflower. So let's get started off with Knock Down the House. Um, let me give you a brief overview of that. Rotten Tomatoes rated Knock Down the House 99%, just for FYI. Um, it's basically about the 2018 campaigns of um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and then some other important women such as Amy, I don't know how to say her last name, Viela, Cori Bush, and a couple others. And so it just basically follows their campaign, how they got into it, and then like the outcome. Yeah, so it kind of follow their journey as they try to battle a lot of obstacles that are facing them as they run for political office, that being um, money. Um, Most of them are running up against major, very important political figures that have been there for a long time. So they're running against like rich white men, basically. Mm -hmm. I think, I'm pretty sure all of them are Democrats. So this is a very like left-leaning documentary it's very inspiring to watch stories like AOCs, which no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on or whether or not you support her, yada, yada. It's inspiring to see somebody who started out um, not interested in politics at all as a waitress, as she did, advance to such a high status, basically, and to actually be able to have a hand in implementing change that a lot of people, especially in working class, don't feel that they have. Mm-hmm. So personal rating okay and it's i think it's rated pg-13 i think it's a documentary about political figures how 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 bad they could be rated yeah but um yeah personally i would rate it hmm i watched this pretty recently i would rate it like uh what are we doing a scale of nine to ten one to ten or one to five or do you want to do percentage like rotten tomatoes 
And okay, percentage it is. Okay, yeah, so Rotten Tomatoes rated it 99%. I would give it, um, yeah, around 85-90%. It's really inspiring for, like, young women to watch, especially. Yeah, it is a very inspiring, very eye-opening documentary, especially as you can find, like, you can kind of get behind what actually happens in a campaign. Yeah. I would probably give it, like, a 90, somewhere between a 90 and a 92. I thought it was pretty good. It didn't, like, you know, veer off to weird things. Like, it didn't, it was pretty on point. It followed all their journeys really well. It showed every side of their character. So, yeah, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. And then, moving on to our next movie, which is Mean Girls. I watched this, like, three years ago, so I don't remember it at all, pretty much. How about you, Nadia? So, I watched it during, I believe it was um, health class last year when I was a freshman. We watched Mean Girls. As like an end of the year treat or something, so I wasn't really. I can't say I was really paying attention to the movie as it was playing in class, but I know the basic overview. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna see. I mean, it's yeah. a really famous movie, so you've probably heard of it if not already watched it. There's like a Broadway play on it and everything. So yeah. Oh, one last thing I want to say about Knock in the House is that it is on Netflix. And I don't know where else, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's on Prime or not. Um, mean Girls. I don't think so. Mean Girls is basically about a like group of, a clique of girls in like high school and how it's basically a bunch of high school drama and how like teenagers are depicted to be like. So it has a lot of stereotypes that can leave an impressionable effect, but if you're just watching it for fun, then it's like just, entertainment you don't have to think a lot (laughs) yeah i think it's definitely a very stereotypical view of high school parasocial relationships but it's also like i can't really i don't really have a say in how high school relationships were like in 2004 i think it said it came out so i don't really know how different high school was but it is also very interesting in that it kind of shows how the main character is flawed. Um, it says here the main character's name is Caddy. I'm gonna go with that. She's very flawed. Like she starts, she though she is the protagonist. She has, she kind of gets involved with the mean girls, right, and becomes one of them basically. You know how people are like, you can either be a predator or you can be the prey kind of thing. Caddy mm-hmm. given that choice, and she almost turns into that predator person. But in the end, the film resolves itself. There's one of the mean girls whose name I don't remember is hit by a bus, which is something that happens on a regular basis, of course. But I think it's it's not like the most amazing movie. It's definitely very cliched in some ways. It's very strange and it kind of and there's a lot of talk about, like, there's a little bit of talk about, like, eating disorders. I don't know if you remember that part. No, but, like, not really. The main character is a mean girl. Definitely has an eating disorder. And Caddy Heron basically makes her eat protein bars that would make her lose weight, quote-unquote. But they actually don't. It's kind of 
so in that way it's kind of weird it kind of promotes some unhealthy behavior but it's also not a bad movie and i would probably give it like maybe a 70 75 yeah i don't remember enough to rate it it is a classic movie like a lot of people have watched it. a lot of people know it there are a lot of references in modern day times to it so i would recommend maybe watching it once just to get those references it's rated pg-13 and, and under comedy teen so yeah <laughs> overall gist is that it has a bunch of stereotypes uh rotten tomatoes rated it 84 percent so it's okay i don't know if i've met anyone who's that's their favorite movie but you know <laughs> okay and then the next mm-hmm. it's definitely a classic yeah definitely made an imprint on society yeah for favorite. sure Okay, and then the last two movies we're going to talk about is are All the Bright Places and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Both movies um, are centered a lot around teen mental health, and they can be, like, um, not traumatizing, but, like, some people could be triggered by it. And so, yeah, if you don't want to hear it, just skip past this. Yeah, we watched all the bright places together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I cried. Nadia cried. And then I think our other friend also cried. <laughs> I personally think it's a great movie. I've watched it twice. So basically the premise about it is that there's a girl who recently lost her sister. And then there's a boy. And they go to the same high school, but they don't really talk. And one day um the boy meets the girl i forgot their names oh finch is the boy's name and then violet is the girl's name and so they meet each other on a bridge and they sort of just go through this big journey together for a school project to explore the wonders of their state which i think is indiana and then in the end like they end up like sort of dating and everything it's sort of like a romantic tragedy and I can't say what happens in the end, but there is a really big plot tri- twist that makes like everyone cry. Yeah, I think the ending is very sad. And I would have loved for these characters to have a happy ending because they're so well, like they're fleshed out there. They have so many, they have such a, both of them have such a dark background and history, but they're all the more beautiful for it. And I would love for them to have a happy ending, but unfortunately, it is a romantic tragedy, so I guess I'm going to have to sit here and deal with the ending. Yeah, Yeah. so um, it's a lot about, I think, it's about bipolar disorder, suicide. So it is, like, um, more mature topics. Rotten Tomatoes only rated it 64%. I would definitely have to disagree. Um I would give it like around a 90, 95% for me. I would just probably put it at like maybe 85. Yeah, it's pretty good, I think. I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of people who watched it didn't like the ending, just felt the same way as I do that they deserved a happy ending. Uh huh. And then also it is rated. Um, I think TVMA, like, mature. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
I want to watch this with my younger sister, but I think like depending on the maturity level of a specific person, I think around like age 13, 14 is good. But like for some people, it might be like older. Yeah, it all depends on whether or not you are comfortable watching movies with topics that delve into mental health. If you feel safe doing that, if this is a trigger for you in any way, don't absolutely do not watch this movie or anything like it. Yeah, but it's a really beautiful movie. Yeah, beautiful is a good way to describe it. Um, the next movie sort of in the mental health topic that we both watched and the last movie we'll be discussing is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, I had heard of this uh, movie a couple times before I actually decided to watch it. And my first impression, well, I'll do a summary first off. Uh, what is it about? Okay. It's about this teen named Charlie who's sort of like socially awkward. And that's he's the wallflower. He's sort of used to just watching everything um, from the side. And then he moves to this new high school. Or not moves, I'm not sure, but he's a freshman, so he's new. And then he meets these two seniors. And one of them is Sam, which is played by Emma Watson. And then the other one is Patrick. And they just sort of, like, become friends. And it's sort of about their friendship. And through that my first impression of it is that the main parts of it were semi-boring like i felt like it just dragged a lot of things on i think overall it was a good movie it made me cry at the end but rotten tomatoes gave it 85 percent, and i would agree with that yeah i think so too um i like this movie actually i thought it does drag on a little bit there's a little bit of filler in there but I also think that filler is a little bit important for developing some characters I liked um the main character's arc throughout the story like meeting Emma Watson's character that friend group getting to know them finally being a little bit more open about himself I think he got accepted into some school at the end and it's kind of it's not a sad movie to me, to, to myself at least, per se, but it's very heartwarming, I think. Heart wrenching. Yeah. Like, it's a good movie. I think All the Bright Places is a little bit better, but um, it was released in 2012 and it is rated PG 13. So, yeah. And it is on Netflix. So, anybody yeah. who has Netflix, definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. And then, do you have anything else to add for any of these movies before we move on? Not for those okay. movies, no. So then before we move into talking about social media, um, we're just going to do a quick spiel for some other movies. I'll go first. Mine is for people with Amazon Prime. It's a TV show called Man in the High Castle, sort of about what would happen if um, Germany and Japan won World War II and like sort of how that would work out. It's a good movie. I mean, show. <laughs> There's four seasons. Yeah. And it's on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime only, and it comes with Amazon Prime, so you don't have to pay for it. But it is a little bit, like, I would recommend it to be for, like, 16 plus, I guess. I watched this, like, three years ago, so I was not 16 when I watched it, and I was fine. 
but for more conservative parents or people yeah it does have a lot of like blood and gore because it is about war and then there's like some like um there's love stories that happens in between and relationships so you know that but yeah it's good it's really good i had my dad watch it and he liked it a lot yeah so uh the documentary i wanted to talk about is called there's something in the water which is based off of a book by ingrid waldron who's canadian i think i'm pretty sure um so basically the book itself is about environmental racism in canada specifically against indigenous people and and primarily black communities so i don't know i haven't read the book myself but the documentary focuses on three communities um, a primarily black community and two indigenous communities and in canada in like i don't know if you know canadian geography but like nova scotia area of canada Mm -hmm. and it basically follows it's it's directed by Elliot Page and Ian Daniels, and it follows them as they kind of talk with these people about the problems they face with the Canadian government. There's um, one community has suffered with Canadian government basically dumping pollutants in their water where they get their fish and their livelihood, basically. And then there's another one where they the Canadian government, like, plopped a landfill mm-hmm. in the middle of the community that caused them to have high rates of cancer and overall like polluting their water and making it dangerous for them to live there. And so it's a very eye-opening documentary. And I think the part that kind of shocked me the most was that you don't really think of Canada as a racist country. Mm-hmm. You think of America as a racist country. <laughs> but it kind of shows that Canada is racist. We just it just kind of shoves that racism down, makes them stay quiet. There's um, clips in there of like Canadian police officers threatening to break up protests. There's uh, accounts of people like trying to talk with government officials were being shut down or ignored. And then, yeah, so all that stuff. And it's kind of shows like the ongoing battle that's been happening with between these communities and the Canadian government for hundreds of years and the effects of colonization. Yeah. And then really yeah. Good. And then speaking of racism, there's a movie called Fruitvale Station, which was released in twenty thirteen and it's about sort of the racism that black Americans experience and it takes place in the Bay Area. And it is based on a true story and um, I recently watched it. It's rated 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's on Netflix. I'm not sure about Amazon Prime, though. It's, yeah, just about police brutality against it. And I'd say it's pretty good. I wouldn't give it a 94%, maybe like a 90%. But, yeah, it was very informing. And I do want to say there's something in the water is on Netflix, as well as some other streaming services. Two, I'm not sure exactly which ones, but yeah, it's on a lot. It might be, I think it's also on Prime, but you're going to have to check that out yourself. Okay, so we got all the movie talk out of our systems, and so we're going to be moving a little bit into social media and how that affects 
just life in general, our personal image and everything. So we're gonna start off by listing which apps we have. I had have Snapchat since seventh grade and then I got Instagram in near the end of eighth grade and I got my phone in like seventh grade, but that was only because I had to walk from school to like my ballet studio. Cause like my sister, like she's like past middle school, but she doesn't have a phone yet. So I think it just depends on the situation in my family, but I had a phone since seventh grade. And then I got my apps around seventh, eighth grade. And then those are the only apps I pretty much have and use. What are you, Nadia? Yeah. So um, I've had a phone since seventh grade, but I didn't have any social media at all until freshman year. Mm -hmm. And then I got Instagram and I just basically only had Instagram for a couple months. And then Emma here persuaded me to get Snapchat. And then I got Twitter because I enjoy watching the world burn. And I would also like to know if the country is being new. And then I also had, and then I, what else do I have? I got TikTok a little bit after that. I didn't, I still don't really use TikTok at all. Maybe like once in a while if I'm really bored. But yeah, that's it. I've also, I have used like, you know, YouTube and Netflix, those kind of apps for a while, ever since I've basically had access to the internet. Yeah, I don't think those really count. The stuff I, yeah. The stuff I watched on YouTube was like mostly political things you know, basic stuff that I don't know, children watching. Yeah, so I basically only have two apps, but, and I don't have Facebook or Twitter or anything. Um, but I also have Facebook. I failed to mention that. I do not use Facebook because I'm not interested in what old people have to say. Oh, okay. Technically, I also have Discord, which is like a gaming thing, but I've never played like a video game, like, in gaming ways like in my life before i just had it once because i had to do a group chat with it and i've never used it since so like technically i have it but i don't know how to use it and i don't have it yeah on my phone um so let's start off by i mean i'm pretty sure everyone listening knows how they work snapchat you basically send pictures um to people and then you can keep streaks which is like if you send it back and forth within 24 hours. And then uh, Instagram is where you can post things and follow people. And yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Funnily enough, funnily enough, like these kind of distinctions between different social media apps are starting to become less yeah. and less as, you know, Instagram adopts Reels, which is just glorified TikTok. Snapchat also has like a spotlight feature now, which I never use, but it's basically TikTok. Instagram, you can send pictures that fade over time. You can, well, TikTok is the one thing that is pretty consistent, but as all these other apps start to steal each other's things, like Twitter has stories now, which I don't know how to react to. Mm. But anyway, yeah. I will say though, um, I'm, I use Snapchat to talk to people. I'm one of them. And I haven't, I don't like, yeah, I don't tweet out anything. I have one follower and that follower is my friend of Angela. That is it. And 
I basically just use Twitter to check on the trending tab once in a while to see if, again, the world has blown up yet, you know, follow the weirdest, latest political trends or whatever is trending in that moment. So, yeah. Yeah, so basically, I'm not very active. The gist of it is that the main apps we use are like Instagram and Snapchat. And even on those, we're not too active. So let's go into first talking about, ooh, there's so many different ways we can approach this. Mm, well, how do you want to start, Nadia? Even though we're not active on, let's, I'm going to take Instagram, for example. You're like, I don't post anything. I'll post stuff on my story sometimes if it's some, like if I see another post that I'm interested in or I want other people to know about, like I'll repost it on my story. But that is all. Even though I'm not active in that one on Instagram, I do spend a lot of time scrolling on the explore page, I think mm-hmm. it's called. A lot of time on that explore page, you know, just to pass the time or because I'm bored or because I don't want to listen in class or something like mm-hmm. that. And what I see on that explore page is curated to me, and that kind of scares me sometimes because, like, I know that all these apps are watching me and know what I like and stuff. Yeah, okay, so passing through that. I think how we should do this is like just pros and cons and we can discuss like different things. So mm-hmm. let's start off with a pro. Social media is really great for connecting people. When I transferred schools, I if I hadn't had a phone or social media, I wouldn't have been able to connect with people from my old school. And like my sister now, she only has a computer, no phone. Like she can't really connect with her friends or anything. And so I think it's great for forming connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the con side of forming connections, it is the internet. Mm-hmm. We, there are still a lot of fake connections with other people that you may make, uh, people that are only there to exploit you or that you think of as a good person, but you can't really verify that. And internet, not to say that internet friendships are bad, but they're great. I'm sure a lot of people who have connected with others solely over the internet, have never seen one person, are very invested in this, and there's actually two very caring people on both sides of that relationship. But we have to be careful about what we do on the internet, especially involving other people. Yeah, for sure. I don't keep any internet friends because um, I'm too scared of getting kidnapped and everything. So I just don't even bother doing any of that. It's strictly people that I know mostly. And then... Yeah, I don't, like, reach out. People send me message requests, which people rarely do, but I just, like, block them or whatever. Okay. I was going to kind of bring this into another aspect of these relationships that we have online is, like, people could comment on our posts, even though it's not necessarily, like, one-on-one conversations, commenting on people's posts, their tweets, um, their YouTube videos or whatever, whatever it is, their TikToks, you know, that can also be dangerous in some ways, especially as people get more brazen on the internet, whether mm-hmm. it's threats, uh, insults, bullying, um, hurting people just to be spiteful because you know they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Do anything like other than maybe get you banned from that social media site, but there's ways, definitely ways around that. Um, so that gets kind of dangerous. So um, in most social media settings you can have a private account or a public account and when you post something publicly you are putting out everything for everyone which leads me to talking a little bit about the digital footprint 
where like everything you search, whether that's on social media or just on your computer or your phone, like it's all being monitored. And so I think we're the first real generation, Generation Z, to like have to experience that since like basically since we were born. So that will be interesting to see how that turns out. Um, speaking of comments, um, I find I find that a lot of times in the past I would post and I would um, be really impacted by the amount of likes or comments that I got and I didn't like that at all. And so the way I approach that is whenever I post, I turn off the comments. Like no one has the option to even comment in the first place because I find that a lot of times when people comment, they're not genuine most of the time they're just saying it because you have this artificial friendship and I don't appreciate that at all or they feel like you're they're obligated to comment and so I just completely turned off comments and then Instagram got rid of people seeing how many likes you have which was useful for a lot of cases I know people argue against that but for me it worked out in a good way yeah I noticed especially in in our community specifically there's not a lot of like really online bullying that I've seen. It's a lot of like when a girl will post something on Instagram, other girls will come in and like hype them up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I have seen like just going through the comment sections of somebody's post, how many people are saying that it makes me really wonder if these are these comments genuine? Do you actually care about this person? Are you saying it so that they'll notice you, so that they'll like your comment? so that they'll pin your comments? Mm-hmm. Are you doing this because you feel your the need to type them up or whatever? Um, so yeah, it makes me feel like a lot of what's happening on the internet is very fake. Yeah, speaking of which, mostly everything on the internet is fake. A lot of things that people post is edited, Photoshop, Facetuned, like a lot of the main people, like the Kardashians, I think that's the pre- first people I think of in mind. Like everything, like they had a lot of plastic surgery, like everything you see on social media, majority of it, it's all going to be somewhat filtered, which makes it very bad because a lot of young people and a lot of people in general create their own self-esteem, their personal image based off what they see on social media. And of course, no one's life is actually filtered. I think it's not, it's a, I think it's just like fine if you have plastic surgery, if you edit your photos and stuff. It's the way you portray yourself. Like if you edit it, edit yourself and then you don't disclose it or you make people think that that's actually how you really look, that can be really damaging to people who think, oh, this person has achieved perfection. I am clearly not perfection and it hurts their self esteem. But if we were to disclose the information that, hey, I'm imperfect, the person you see on the internet isn't mm-hmm. real, then it would help things. Yeah, that could be really useful to see. Um, which leads me to bring, um, a lot of what we see on social media is because that's what those apps think we want to see. And so we do have some control in that. Personally, all my feed is very healthy <laughs> for me in my mind. Um, my feed is mostly, uh, like either politics, food, or like reaffirming affirmations or whatever. And so for me, 
like my feed really helped me and I scroll through it and I leave it feeling better. But that's not a case for a lot of people. A lot of people go in there and they see like a model and they're like, oh, I don't have that waist or whatever. And then they leave and then they try to um, be that model when that model is maybe not like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, when we see people, when we see people on the internet posting perfect pictures, we kind of tend to assume that they're perfect all the time. And that is definitely not the case. We are very much still human. And what you see on the internet is fake. Yeah. But we've been talking a lot about cons. I want to bring us to a social media pro. Because we were able to have so many connections and everything, um, you can really spread awareness for different things. Both Nadia and I are um, huge activists on social media. I tend to stay a little bit away from politics on social media. I post mostly human rights things and mental health, which some people could categorize, categorize as political, but I don't post about anything like actually political in my opinion, but like it's great for awareness. You know, you can spread a lot of new ideas, create different thoughts just from like reposting something. Yeah, I think in regards to politics, I know this was a pro, but it can also be a con in some ways that it's social media activism becomes like a thing if you're only active active on social media, you're only posting reposting things on social media and you aren't actually making effective changes in society, that can be a problem. Social media can be a way to pretend that you're a good person, pretend that you care about yeah. something, make you seem better. Like posting things like, oh I'm an ally can make you seem like a better person to try to make people to like you. To, port, to continue building this perfect image you have of yourself. Yeah, so definitely going back to mostly everything you see on social media is apply, but um, yeah. Yeah, another problem regarding like specifically politics is that social media, it, it knows who you are. The, the algorithm knows who you are and what you think, and it pushes you towards more radical directions. I, I don't know if you watched the documentary, The Social I've Network. seen, I've heard of it. Yeah. That, yeah, that like social media will really push you, will radicalize you, will make you believe things that the person, the, the, the you that there was before, so before you were on social media would have never believed. But it kind of, you know, just the YouTube algorithm, pressing on a video will make a bunch of videos just like that one come up. That's how we get an increase in conspiracy theories. In yeah, so I actually, I have an example of that. Um, so, okay, let's take uh, a teen girl, right? And she's going through feeds and she's liking these pictures of models because they have her perfect body. And so along with that, they give um, her like eating advice on what she should eat and not. And so one of those diets um, is like the keto diet. I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's like carb-based, but not in a way like it's supposed to make you lose weight. I haven't tried it. I don't know what it is really. But the thing is, like, when you actually break down that diet and compare it to healthy eating, like intuitive eating, the keto, keto, I don't know, keto diet um, is actually super unhealthy for you. And the foods that under that diet that is acceptable to eat is really um, doesn't have the nutrition that you need. 
so it can a lot of advertising that is done on social media is just completely false and completely for consumerism and and sadly a lot of us feed into that it just shows how social media encourages a lot of unsustainable habits you can't be on a diet your entire life it's not going to work out and you're not going to be happy and social media is telling you you can be in a diet your entire life but I mean it's not true yeah it definitely social media is definitely a vice for a lot of unhealthy horrible behavior and we see horrible people get propped up on the internet all the time people that have said racist or otherwise harmful things start to amass big followings of other people who are like i also do this but i didn't know other people do this and then they start to gain a following and they start to have power or whatever power is comes from a following you know and it becomes yeah and People only post their best on social media. Well, like the people that want to fit into the stereotypes and like gain just like fame, they post only their most perfect moments. And so obviously we're not perfect all the time. So we compare each other to that. Like, obviously you're going to feel bad. So what I would do, if that's your case or whatever, I would take a moment to understand why I'm feeling that way. And then maybe I would like block that person or find a different account that makes me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do have the power when we're on social media to search out people, accounts, um, whatever videos that make us feel better. And we should try to focus on those to try to get the algorithm on our side in terms of giving us good videos to watch, making us feel better instead of constantly yeah so one way of controlling your feed is don't like everything on your feed a lot of people just scroll down they just like every single post i rarely like posts unless i actually like them a because then people can see what i've liked and that could possibly affect my digital footprint and like everything but b when i do like a post i like it because it makes me feel good and so instagram or social media is going to send me more posts like that and so my feed is completely transformed into um, good posts, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. So I'm not, okay, I'm going to bring this, I know Emma doesn't have Twitter, but I'm going to bring this there for a second. Twitter works a little bit differently than all these other social media apps because it has, I mean, TikTok also has like a trending page, but the Twitter trending page is pretty massive and a lot of what happens on that page is just a lot of hate. I was, especially if you're scrolling through trends that are political, um, even trends that aren't political, if they're related to even the smallest controversial topic, it can get very dangerous on Twitter. And Twitter, you can't really like, it doesn't really matter what you like because that's not gonna change what you see, especially on a trending tab, but it's, you got to be careful when you look through um, tweets or whatever it's on there that you can analyze, hey, is this person actually making a valid point or are they just saying this to be me? Are they saying this um, with evidence or are they not saying this with evidence? Are they spreading misinformation? Um, are they just being rude? Is this bullying? To try to identify what you if you're seeing something good or bad 
and how that affects and being careful to see how that affects your self-image and the way you see the world. I think with this world and the way technology and humans revolve around each other, it's really hard to not have social media. It's really hard not to get sucked into those things. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people who don't know or aren't aware of what they're consuming, it can be really bad for them. And so I think the main point of this is that everything, including social media, has pros and cons. There are both good sides and bad sides. You get to choose which side you see. And so, yeah, that's just a reminder going forward. And then also, it's a good thing to like just delete social media for like a week or just a day even. Like I find that sometimes, which I rarely do, but sometimes when I need a complete reset, like just delete everything, and I'll have like Nadia take over my streaks for me. And then I'll come back and I'll feel a lot better. Another thing is that social media is just a lot of scrolling. And it takes up like pe- teens do that like majority of the day. They're just scrolling on social media, which then causes their screen time to go up a lot. Like the recommended dosage for people in general maximum is four hours a day. And so I know a lot of people go above and beyond that. And for me, I would be below that with just my phone. But then considering I'm taking Zoom online classes, I'm on my computer like four, like six hours just for school. Like, obviously, I think most of us are surpassing that. And so, yeah. Yeah, between um, school and then homework and then all these other responsibility we have to zoom and then just trying to calm ourselves down with some going on tiktok or watching a youtube video or watching the new netflix series and a lot of times on our phones and it's really hard to be disconnected from that but we also need to remember that um, at most social media platforms are horrible <laughs> twitter is what was i saying mm-hmm. a trash can on fire hurtling off a cliff facebook is like a melting I don't know. It's it's like a melting skeleton or something. And Instagram is like Instagram is a burning pile of trash with a dress on it. Like all of these social media platforms are so are disguised to bring us happiness and stuff. Yeah, it just depends on how you see it. Like I like Instagram, but that's because my feed is good and beneficial for me. And then we also have to kind of remember that this is going a little bit over time, but like the social dilemma talked about, we are seen as a product of mm-hmm. social media companies. Like they are there. The reason social media is free is because they can show us ads so that we can see stuff. Instagram recently changed its like the way it is. Yeah. They have like a little shopping bag icon at the bottom in the place of there was like a little height, a heart icon, I think it was, to show you like your stats or whatever it was. And they replace that with a shopping bag icon to try to get you to spend money. So a lot of these mm-hmm. platforms are very exploitative. And yeah. yeah, so I think, I hope that mm-hmm. whoever is listening to this right now, I hope that you take away, um, A, some great movie suggestions if you haven't. Those are more like teen-oriented, but you can still watch them. Um, 
And then B, I want you to like question like the social media that you have and just like not even social media. There's so many things we consume in our day, whether that's food or social media or the news, like the air we breathe. Just think about it. Like, do you really need it? What can you do to like lower screen time or how can I change it so it's actually benefiting me or like is this useless time just spent to like waste my time? I actually saw a post today, um, interestingly enough, that it's like, we spend all our time on a little screen, which would be like my computer all day. And then I go to a small screen, which would be my phone, just to distract myself from the medium sized screen. It's like our whole lives are centered around social media and the internet. And like, that's something we sort of have to accept. We can't really do much about it because our world is so technology, technologically oriented, but you can change the way that you view things, what you post and how you take things in and whatnot. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Yeah. Some water. <laughs> yes. Drop your phone immediately. You're yeah. probably listening to this on your phone. Drop it immediately. Thank, Thank you for listening. Make sure you tune in every second and fourth week of each month on a Tuesday for our next episode.